0: Welcome to the Revival Center podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and thoughts from our church. We hope you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Revival Center podcast. We're so glad that you're here joining us again today. And if this is your first time, welcome. We're so glad to have you. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. That's the best way that you can keep up to date with everything that is going on here on the podcast. And I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode where we sat down and talked about revival, where we talked about um, it being within us and not just purely an event, that when people say that they're seeking revival, we should not be thinking about um sequential services that last a uh, certain period of time, but we should be thinking about a work of God in our hearts. And so I think that that is uh, such a good um, thought and something that if you haven't listened to that episode, I hope you do. I really hope you take the time to go back and listen to it and really just think on um, what revival means, especially in today's day. And I just have kind of a quick uh, devotion here uh, for you today. Um it's it's more so just looking um at a passage that I I've been reading. It it's come up uh several times over the last few days and I, I just felt like talking about it quickly, sharing with you, and it's one that's very familiar. Um it's uh where Jesus talks about the cost of following him. And so I'm gonna go ahead and start. I'm reading out of uh Luke chapter nine. Starting in verse 57, it says, As they were going going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holds and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, "I will follow you, Lord." But let me first say well to those at my home. Jesus said to him, "No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God." So I know this is a really tough passage. It's a tough one to wrap our minds around. It's a tough one to live out and to practice because I mean, when you when you think about it, Jesus obviously demands a lot from us um, when he talks about following him. When he talks about you know going and 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 living out the life that he is called to. Obviously when when uh, Jesus is being uh, con- I won't say confronted but when he, he hears this man say, I will follow you wherever you go obviously it was in a very practical way. There's this man who he sees Jesus who is a teacher, or as they would call rabbi, he teaches and he has disciples who follow him. Obviously, we're very familiar with the 12 um, who were constantly around him. Um, But at the same time, there were more than just the 12. Uh, There were other people who um, were, you could say, a part of his ministry at different times. Um, Those that we hear of in the Bible, and I'm sure that there are also some that we don't um, hear of that aren't explicitly talked about. So this is the context in which this man says, hey, I will—he's basically saying, hey, I will join you on the road. We you know, when we look at the Gospels, we see that uh, Jesus was basically an itinerant minister. He didn't just stay in Jerusalem. He didn't stay in Nazareth. He moved around. You see him in different places. Um consistently going and teaching and healing the sick. And so uh, basically what this man is saying is he's saying, hey, I I, will, I want to be a part of this. I want to join into this life that you're living. And Jesus doesn't say no, which I think is a very important point here. He doesn't say no to all these people, but the implication of this passage is that his response most likely resulted in those people not actually following him. And, you know, before I really dive into what the text says and what the objections were and what the, the obstacles are and how that applies to us, I do want to observe something very interesting is that we see throughout the Gospels Jesus really tempering people's expectations, and what I mean by that is that when people, um, you know, talk about serving, following Him, He tells the difficulties. When we see Him uh, talking about the kingdom of God, He talks about, you know, eating His flesh and drinking His blood. You know, He says things that are very provocative, that would drive people away. And you see that looking at it, and you put it in a modern context, is that. If somebody said, hey, I want to join the church or, hey, I want to um, be a follower of Jesus, you know, we're like, yeah, great. Come on, let's do it, which is good. I don't think Jesus, when people legitimately said, Lord, I I want to serve you, that he would be like, nah, uh, you know, I'm not having that. No, of course, he, he welcomed people in, but he was very clear about what it meant and i think that that's important for us today because i think sometimes people have this idea of following jesus as something that is an addition to my normal life. Like i have my normal life, my normal life goes and then i add this jesus thing onto it. I can still continue to have everything that i have. I can still continue to live the way that i live and i'm just adding jesus on top. Jesus Jesus is like the whipped cream to the sunday. The sunday's still there and I can decide whether I want whipped cream or not. It's a nice addition, but it's not necessary. And that's almost the way that people look at it. And in all reality, as Jesus says here, that following him takes sacrifice. So there's a few points here of what he says. He says, you know, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You see, Jesus' ministry, Jesus' life, and what the disciples were called to of following him wasn't, wasn't a call to comfort. It wasn't a call to comfort. Here, Jesus is walking around. You know, it's not like he, um, you know, nowadays you could hop on the plane or maybe you had a tour bus or something that everybody hopped in. And it was a nice RV and you had a comfortable bed even though you were on the road or you had these hotels or all these places, you know, the travel was nice. No, these these men were walking. They were walking miles and miles to to different cities. And um, you know, did they know where they were gonna sleep every time? I don't know. Um, you know, I'm sure they had houses that people hosted them in, but You know, it's not like they were in palaces every day. It's not like they went to five-star hotels. And, um, you know, it's that they were itinerant. And so if, if you wanted to follow Jesus with looking at his ministry, you had to be willing to be uncomfortable. And I think that's the same for now. Now, that doesn't mean we have to give up being in our homes or things like that. It could. It could mean that we're called to itinerant ministry or things like that. But what it does mean is that we can't think that we will continue all of our comfort if we're going to be faithful and follow Jesus. We have to realize that some of our comfort, maybe all of our comfort, will be given up to truly follow Jesus because obviously circumstances are different. Things happen. Choices have to be made. And if we say, if we come to the point where the choice is to be faithful to Jesus or to be comfortable, we have that choice to make. And that's what this man had to make. The other said, let me first go and bury my father. You see, there's a, there's a few um, questions on this. Um, the, the Scholars say that Many times this idea wasn't that necessarily the father was dead, but that the father may be old and aged, that he, um, you know, is getting advanced in years and he would probably die soon. Um, And this man wanted to be around to um, bury his father. Now, an interesting point of this is what is the motivation behind that? There can be good motivation in that, you know, wanting to, um, you know, obviously love your family and God calls us to love our family and do these things. But another aspect is inheritance, right? If this man leaves the father in his old age, he may lose out on inheritance. So there's this aspect of, God, I, I want to follow you. I want to do this, but what about these possessions that I could lose out on? What about these things? What about um, the way my family thinks? You know, if my if I leave my aged father to follow you, Jesus, you know, what what will they think? Will I miss out on what I what I want? And so that's an aspect is that you know many times an obstacle is what we desire is maybe material things maybe maybe we can, and we can one hundred percent you know. Make an idol of family. I'm not saying we can't, but in in going beyond what we normally do, of you know, we have a responsibility. We have all of those things. But a lot of times, if what the scholars say are true, or if what this perspective is is, is indeed correct, of we do that for selfish motivation, that our motivation to look after this person or do this, or, oh, I'm delaying this out of a good good reason, then reality is just another way for self-gratification. So then the last person here says that he wants to go back and uh, say goodbye to those in his home. Um, and, and, you know, in some ways you feel like with that person you kind of have some empathy there. You say, oh, you know, I can, I can get that. I can understand why... You would want to say goodbye like that. That makes sense. Like, well, you know, why is that a problem? Well, here Jesus responds in an interesting way. He says that he who puts his hand to the plow and turns around is not fit. So what does that mean? If you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the work. Well, if you think about this, let's say you said that you uh, were no longer going to work in one location And you said, okay, I'm all in here. I'm all in at this place now. But then while you're doing that, you're looking back to where you came from, thinking about how good it was over there, thinking about what you're missing, or thinking about uh, the things that this place did that this place doesn't. That will obviously limit what you can do where you are. And if you think about that in the context of serving God is that if we are there serving the Lord and in our service to God we are, we are wanting to serve the Lord, we say, Yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Yes, Jesus, I want to live for you and serve you. If we say that and mean it, then we're not going to look back to everything that we have done before and then want to change that and then want to go back and and be like, oh, you know, I know that this life with Jesus is great, but what about this? But how can I, you know, include this? See, that is the first way when we start doing that, when in our walk with Jesus, when that starts to become the reality of how we move and approach it, we have a really big problem because in all reality, we are going to end up not following Jesus with our whole heart. And that's really a reality. I think that's a danger for everyone is that we want Jesus' and, or we want Jesus, but man, those things that I had to give up for the cause of Christ, uh, are they worth it? Wasn't it better when? Wasn't it better when or can't I have both? And that is, in essence, putting your hand to the plow and looking back, is that you're doing it, you're going for it, you're moving forward. But then in the end, you're actually pushing back against actually fully serving Jesus. And I think there's a, there's a definite danger there. There's a definite danger there, and that's why Jesus says, okay, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to live for me, you can't look back, you can't question what you've done. You can't say, "Oh, I'm following you, Jesus." Oh, but man, should I? Then you're not fit for service because you're not. With that, with that heart, if that is our heart, if that is how we are going to live, and that is how we move forward in the things of Christ, we will never fully give all that we have to Jesus. It's just impossible. I mean, the 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 word says and talks about us being double-minded it talks about uh you know in particular where jesus talks about we cannot love god and money um that they would be uh you can't serve two masters that it's impossible to be split between two things and the the thing is, is is because whenever those two masters become cross at any point you have to choose you have to choose and if we think that Jesus and what he says and what he commands will never be crossed with what the world or culture says is good, then we're, we're delusional. We, we are deceiving ourselves if we think that everything that Jesus says and commands of us won't cross paths with having... Um, the greatest career and being super, super career driven, that it won't cross paths with obviously sin. I and mean, of course everybody say, oh well, of course, but even maybe the idea of of having the biggest home, right? There's nothing sinful in having a large home. nothing sinful in having that. But if God calls you to be a giver and you're having the and you're giving more, you, you have to give more in obedience to God, that God is calling you to give money to missions or to give money to the poor or, or to give money to a building project or what, whatever it is. The Lord is demanding that of you, then that is money that you don't spend on yourself. You know, I'm not saying that spending money on ourselves, period, is sinful because it's not. It's not. But what if following Jesus causes us to have to give up that? Maybe we don't have the newest car. Maybe we maybe we don't have all the newest clothes because our hearts are giving when we give of our money. Maybe our time isn't all of all of itself. Maybe we have hobbies. Maybe we love to I don't know go fishing and we want to go fishing every Saturday. Well, the Lord asks us to give of our time in serving um, at a at a pantry on Saturday or. Uh, calls us to you know, serve the homeless or maybe there are events at church or maybe God has asked you to start a small group. Well, all of a sudden your time is not your own. Your money is not your own. Your relationships aren't your own, the way that you approach them. All of these things now, when you follow Jesus, you give all of them to him. They are all his. So when that's the case, if what he says with them contradict what we desire in our hearts. We can't have our desires be equal on footing with Christ's desires. If we have that, then we're not truly following him. We're not fully following Jesus. And so that's why he says, you know, that there is a cost of following him. You know, I'm reminded of uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. He talks about cheap grace, and his concept is... Cheap grace and costly grace, whereas cheap grace is grace that doesn't cause your life to change. Costly grace is a grace that is given. It is grace. But that grace demands change in you. That grace is given. But he what he says is, if if a the grace that you're given costs Jesus his life, why do we think that him giving that, that grace won't cost us nothing? And that is, I think, a pr- very important point, is that we're given this grace. This grace is freely given. It is unearned. But that grace costs us something in that it changes our lives. It changes our desires. It changes our hearts. There's a cost of being a disciple of Jesus. And the cost is worth it. The cost is absolutely worth it. But I think in some ways, in our modern culture we like ease we like comfort we like having everything we don't want to miss out on anything and so we have this idea that oh i can have jesus plus jesus plus or on the other hand work plus jesus the centering aspect isn't even jesus we can say the centering aspect is jesus but you know i want these other things or we could say the sittering aspect of our life isn't even Jesus, but we want to add Jesus on. And we have this idea that we can have it all. You can have it all. Whatever you want, you've got it. You can have every single thing that you'd ever want. And that's just not reality. That is just not reality. And so I think it's really important for us to know that and to and to say that out loud because we don't want people to— think that they're following Jesus and they're not we don't want to say oh you know there, there's there was some a very important part of you know we were talking about this last week you know the whole Jesus revolution the um the 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 whole hippie movement you know the Jesus revolution you know pulled out of that people said come as you are um you know the, 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 there there's some good in that of saying like you know Um, where you're at right now is not a barrier to you encountering Jesus. Jesus can reach into whatever situation that you're in, reach down into whatever you're going on, and touch you. There's a good part of that. The problem is, is that when it doesn't continually say, you say, hey, come as you are, yet there is a cost to this. There's a change that will happen. There's a a life change that is going to happen. There's a cost to following Jesus. If we don't express that, then we are lying to ourselves and we're lying to others. And if our goal is for us to truly follow Jesus and for others to truly follow Jesus, then we have to have that. We have to say that. We have to express that. That needs to be a true thing in our life because we don't want people to be deluded and how they're serving the Lord. We want people to fully follow Jesus, to love him in fullness, to follow him fully, to not value possessions or value relationships or, or value comfort or any of these things more than him. But we have to be real of what this following Jesus is. So I want to encourage you, though, this is difficult. It's difficult to follow Jesus, but he's the one who provides the grace. He's the one who provides his Holy Spirit. He's the one who gives us all the strength, all the faith, in order for us to live out this life, it's not something we have to conjure up within ourselves to make it happen. It's not something that we feel like, oh no, if I if I do this or do that, what what was going to happen? It's not something we conjure up within ourselves. It's that God provides all that we need to serve Him. He's the one who gives us the ability to count the cost and to serve him. So thank you guys so very much. We appreciate you guys. I pray that you have a blessed week. Um, We're going to be having some series, different series here on the podcast coming down um, as we lead up to Easter. So I hope you're excited for that. I hope you're um, looking forward to that. We appreciate each and every one of you. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Thank you so very much for listening. And we'll see you next time.